When we created LCC Connect in 2022, it was our intention to create a podcast platform that connects our college with the community and our community with the college. Since that time, LCC Connect has grown to include over 20 podcasts focused on a wide range of topics. All of these podcasts are either funded by members of Lansing Community College or activists within the mid-Michigan community. Now it is time to go behind the scenes with a brand new show we call Behind the Connection. And today, Behind the Connection, we welcome our newest member of the team to LCC Connect, Jim Owens. Jim is a member of the counseling staff here at Lansing Community College. And Saturday, October 21st, that's going to mark the premiere of his new podcast and radio program, and it is called Headroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all need a little more room in our heads. <laughs> we do. Uh, although lately, I have been looking at my head thinking it's huge. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. interesting. I think it's because I cut my hair. You have a different haircut yeah, today yeah. Than, than I, last year. I cut year. my hair, yeah. so it makes my head look bigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show, Jim. Thank you. Uh, so glad you could be here, and I am so glad you could be a part of the team. I was Appreciate very, it. very excited mm-hmm. about this program. Uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. First, yeah. let's give some some details, some insight sure. as to who Jim Owens is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you know, the, the one thing is, is I always, when I first got to know you, I kept mm-hmm. wanting to call you Tim Owens. You know why <laughs> that? You know why? No, why? That is uh, the dude that was in uh, Judas Priest. He replaced, is Tim Ripper uh, Owens. Uh, yeah, was the temporary singer of Judas uh, okay. Priest. So that's what I think Tim of every Owens. time that's I a compliment. saw you. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> Anyway, let's get the details. Yeah. So what 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 got brought you to LCC? Why yeah. are you here? What do you do here at the college? I came to the school a long time ago, 30 mm. years. I celebrated my 30th anniversary as an employee of the college this summer. Mm. And I came yeah, here. You, yeah, you, you're definitely. You, <laughs> I, I've, been I here, I've been Well, I've been here since 99. So you're always yes. one of those people yeah. that has been here longer than me. And every time I see you then, mm. I go, that dude's been here longer than me. He's even longer. Yeah, <laughs> he's old. Um, <laughs> So I, I came to school here. I graduated high school in West Michigan, but I came to school here to go to college for free because my mom worked here. So we got that free tuition. Take the free when the you can get it. I took yep. the free. All my friends were going off to university. I said, I got a free college waiting for me in the middle of the state. Yep. I would have done the so same. So I came here. Um, my dad was a builder. So I was going to go into the kind of the trades, but I was going to study architecture. I liked house building and house design, um, but I didn't want to like swing a hammer all day. Yeah, kind of like drawing, yeah. kind of like drawing a little bit more. And the weather, you had to like, you know, I helped him frame houses in December, January, February. Oh, see, I, I was, I was, yeah, you know, I get envious sometimes of the construction guys mm-hmm. as I'm driving by at certain points in the summer, mm. fall. Yeah, but yeah, once you get to winter, you're no. like, oh man, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it can be fun and rewarding, obviously, but it was not for me. So I came to school here to study architecture. But we appreciate what they do for no, sure. No, we love. We do. We need them to do, do what they do. <laughs> um. But when I came to school here, I got a job right away as a student employee mm-hmm. and I got hired onto the orientation staff. Mm-hmm. And the way they did orientation at LCC back then was they hired about 20 students to do peer advising, to give tours to other new students on campus and to help those students learn about the services on campus and help them set up their fall schedule. Oh, we wow. did not have academic yeah. advisors yeah. back then. We had counselors who did vocational career and academic counseling and some personal counseling. And our boss was one of the licensed professional counselors. And I figured out, even though I was studying architecture for one, two, three, four semesters, in that time working as a peer advisor, I was having a lot of one-on-one conversations with students about what they wanted to do with their lives, what classes they wanted to take, what major, why, what they wanted to do with their life, as I said. As you're trying to figure your own stuff out. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, you know what, this one-on-one conversation is about the meaning of life and what you want to do with it. And 
these people's backgrounds and telling me why they're inspired to do the things they want to do. Right, right. I was like, I want to do more of this. And my boss was a counselor and I worked with all these counselors and I was like, their job is cool. These are great people. I think I want to do this. So I changed my major like almost everybody does at some point. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not going to get into my story, yeah, but go yeah. on. <laughs> and some of us go back around to where we started, but I, I, I turned left, went into uh, psychology counseling, uh, and then I, I continued to work at LCC all while I finished my different degrees. I was sometimes an academic advisor, sometimes an admissions counselor, sometimes a financial aid advisor. Mm -hmm. But most recently, I've become one of the mental health counselors at the school, and that's the team I work on now. Okay. All right. And some of what you we're talking about right now, you actually cover on your podcast with your guests. True. Uh, we'll dive into that a little bit. But first, you know, I mean, it's cool that you were actually able to figure out what you wanted to be when you yeah. grow up before you completely grew up. Totally. So tell me, what's the most rewarding part of your job? What do you look forward to? Well, there's probably two things there. One, I've worked at LCC for 30 years on purpose because like you, I'm qualified to work in other places. But I love the mission of the school. I love that we are on the ground floor where anybody can come here and start getting an education in, in a field, a discipline, a vocation, something. Mm -hmm. I love that. We're totally accessible. I love that mission of the college. So every time I step foot on campus every morning, when I'm walking to my desk, I'm thinking, this is where I want to work. I want to work. Yeah. And I call it the ground level because I'm kind of, you know, giving an elbow or yeah. snub to the higher universities that we call them. And those aren't accessible to everyone. So I love no. the fact that we are. And then I love the fact that I can't believe this happened, that my life turned out the way I wanted it to. I get to be a mental health counselor here. Yeah. Like I get to help students who are working really hard on something that's extremely difficult. It's not easy to go to college. It's not easy to persist in college. And while they're doing that, stuff happens to them in their mm -hmm. emotional life, their personal life, their social life, whatever. And I don't want to see that interrupt their progress. So the fact that I get to be here to help them maintain or get through something really difficult or resolve something that's been sitting on the back burner that college is a pressure cooker. And it, and it, it is. And it, yeah. and it, it, it raises the temperature on that stuff that they kind of had buried for a while. And we just deal with it and they can move on then. They, they're free. Like my whole job is to free people from their mental, emotional distress. Yeah. As best I can. And I, I can tell you that uh, my time when I was uh, in a university at Michigan State, yeah. I, I could have highly uh, utilized a resource like that. And it's yeah. great that we have that here at Lansing oh, yeah. Community College. And in addition to that, I will also tell and share with listeners mm -hmm. that I actually took a little bit of a mental health break myself this earlier this summer. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I, prior to even leaving, I, I remember mentioning to Lane, uh, he helps me a lot with mm -hmm. what we do here at LCC Connect. I remember mentioning to him one time that I really wanted a mental health show because yeah. I feel like that is, yeah. uh, become more and more, um, I don't want to say important, but it's just become more, there's more awareness about yeah. it now. Mm -hmm. And I, I think without the awareness that we have here at the college, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing what I did. Oh, that's, that's good. And it's awesome that I felt comfortable enough yeah. to say, hey, I need to stop for a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, I got back and there in my inbox <laughs> that had been probably waiting for the entire time that I was on this probably. break <laughs> uh, was an email from Jim stating, yeah. Hey, dude, and I'm paraphrasing yeah. here. Hey, dude, I'm yeah. interested in starting a podcast yeah. revolving or connected to uh, mental health. Yeah. And uh, thus, I was like, yeah. yeah. That's what you want to do. That's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you wanted. So I invited you over. You came over. We talked a little bit about yeah. it. So now share with listeners what they can expect from Headroom. So Headroom is, um, it's a 
time for me to sit down with a colleague, somebody who works either in higher ed or in the mental health field, and the two of us have a conversation about what do we need to know about taking care of our mental health? Mm-hmm. I could have come on the podcast and just given a lot of information, kind of like a professor. I could have given lectures and stuff, but I really wanted students and the rest of the community to hear the stories of other people and, and what they have learned about mental health because we can all learn more about it. And I also get my guests to kind of share some of the struggles that they've gone through in life and how they got through them because I want to instill hope. I want to encourage people that we're all going to face mental health challenges in our lives. And the people sitting across from me in the studio, they figured out how to get through it. And you're going to hear that week after week after yeah. week after week. And I hope that that says something. All right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, again, I'm just so glad you got on board to do this. And yeah. I think this is going to be a valuable um, conversation, not only for our students, but mm-hmm. I think for people outside of the college as yeah. well. Uh, so now do you share my belief uh, regarding the mental uh, health awareness? Like, do you feel like it's, there's something that's changed where, where, where it seems like there's more thought about it? Yeah, I think it's becoming more obvious. It's kind of like the climate. You know, it's becoming more obvious that mm-hmm. this is a thing we kind of are going to have to deal with. And uh, I agree. I think that there's more awareness around mental health. There's more freedom to talk about it in the public square. There's... Um, more publicity, more public figures are talking about it. Celebrities mm-hmm, are talking mm-hmm. about it. People are not ashamed to come on and talk about it publicly as much as they once were. Um, so I think it's definitely changing. Now, I'm not happy with where it's at yet for two reasons. One, I don't think it's normalized enough. Mm. And two, there's not enough therapists to meet the need. That's what I'm finding. I, I have people call me at least not, not, not at the school. We have, we have availability at the school, um, but we're, we're pretty full, but we've got some availability. Um, in the public arena, it can be a three to six month wait. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, I think I found a therapist fairly quick. Uh, it was probably about after about two or three weeks still though. It still took me a little bit. Good. Yeah. Uh, and that was me getting right on it. You know, as soon as I hit that break. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to extend on that a little bit. And the fact that I I was curious to know what your thoughts are since 2020, do you think the awareness Mm -hmm. has gone up even more? Do you think the need for it is greater? What's your thoughts there? Ooh, I could cite the CDC statistics from memory for you that, okay. So what happened in 2020 is 18 to to 20, (laughs) 18 to 24 year olds, roughly about 40% of them struggled with a mental health issue, major mental health issue Mm -hmm. starting at that point. And it seems to have persisted in, in essence, their mental health struggle doubled in number of people affected. And it's all across the board. The number two most prescribed class of drugs in the United States are antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. Mm. So the uh, pharmacies all day, number one drug going across the counter is lipid regulators, cholesterol meds. The number two drug going across the counter every day is anti-anxiety or antidepressant. It's a massive issue that I think we just can't pretend isn't a massive issue anymore. No, A lot of us are struggling. it is primarily anxiety, depression, and the different flavors, if you will, of those two things. That's largely what, what we're seeing. And I will say one other thing, in the United States, the number one mental illness in the world is depression. Mm-hmm. But in the United States, it's anxiety by two and a half times percent or 250% that you would see the rest of the world over. Really? So this is a very anxious culture, a very anxious society. Do you have any uh, speculation? Part of it, I think, is rooted in our individual, our rugged individualism mm-hmm. in the U.S. Like, don't show any weakness. Mm-hmm. Keep working. Strive forward. It's you. Plow ahead. Right. Um, I think there's some of that. Um, it's a kind of a pressure cooker to succeed in this culture on your own, I think, is probably 
as much as I could say about it right now. And tell me, what kind of impact? I mean, you kind of brushed on it a little bit yeah. here and there. Yeah. What what impact are you hoping this show will have? Well, number one, to normalize. I mean, I just want my biggest mission at the school with this podcast is to educate, but also to normalize, to make it a normal conversation to talk about emotional and mental health. That people just, we ask each other about the sports. We ask each other about what our kids are doing. We talk about the weather, which is a, a fun thing to talk about in Michigan because it's you never know what you're going to get. Um, but I think mental health and emotional health should be one of those things that we just naturally talk about because it's so germane to what it means to be a human being. We're all having an emotional experience all the time. We're never fine. No. <laughs> How are you doing today, Dedalian? Well, you know, and that's and, and that's the reaction too. a lot of times we get, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm great. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. it's all good. Uh, and it's funny because, uh, we actually just did a, a recording with you and somebody else yesterday. You guys came in yeah. and you yeah. guys could tell I wasn't yes. in a great mood. <laughs> yeah, we could tell. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it was one of those things. It's one of those things you do. Uh, and I will also tell you that, you know, myself as a pretty even keel person, yeah. it's hard to recognize that in yourself. Yeah. Sometimes. yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, I think, I think we've kind of hit on it a little bit, but if you want to elaborate on what you think is uh, important about this show for our community, not yeah. just the students, but the community in general. Well, we all get health classes in school, don't we, about physical health and exercise, and we all probably know we're supposed to get our 30 minutes of walking every day and all these things, but I don't know how, many, uh, how much skill people have really around what they're supposed to do, the basics, the fundamentals, the essentials for mental health, and there are some. Yeah. This is a thing we've been studying for pretty seriously for 100 years in the world of psychology. And we know there are some fundamental things that you just have to do to take care of yourself emotionally and mentally. First of which is to be emotionally expressive. Like when we call you yesterday and we're like, you're having a feeling, go ahead and label it and speak it. It'll feel better when you do that. And it does. <laughs> that is the thing. And that was the thing is you guys, you didn't really drag it out of me. No. <laughs> but, but I did. I elaborated a little bit. And actually I did. I felt, I yeah. felt better after acknowledging yeah. to myself, yeah. not only you guys, yeah. but to myself, that yeah. I was not in the greatest of moods. Yeah, yeah. All right, Headroom is the name of the show. It is going to be premiering on the 21st of October, so next Saturday, mm -hmm. here on LCC Connect, 89.7 FM, if you listen on the radio. And, of course, I keep saying listeners, but uh, this is uh, video being videotaped as yeah. well. Yeah. So there is the vodcast version. Oh, uh, I don't know if our uh, our video engineer has the screen up, but if he he wants to pull it on up, uh, he can. I've got the. Uh, this is what I'm hoping to do, like with all the behind the okay. connections. We got the random question generator up. Uh, I'm gonna have you grab the. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, this, I don't know what's gonna be asked here, and neither does Jim. <laughs> But this is from Drum our good roll. good friends at the uh, I think Washington State University is Looks what this like is. A, yeah, give it a click. Click for what story does your family always tell about you? Oh man, that's a that's the that's random, a nice random question, question like of the it. day. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say the way they describe how I every story they tell me about me is that I'm dramatic. Dramatic? Yeah, they they say I should have gone into the theater. I can't stand honestly. I know I'm gonna lose some fans here. I don't like musical theater at all. <laughs> I don't like when things are embell overly dramatized and stuff. But whatever it is that my family talks about me, they're like, "You're always so dramatic." And I'm like, "I don't see that about myself." Isn't that interesting? I don't see that about myself, but they do. So it's hard to deny. But I guess they would say I'm very dramatic. I would say. You know, I don't know. Maybe we haven't had enough of these conversations. Mm -hmm. But from what I know, you seem mm -hmm. pretty chilled like me most of the time. But now I'm going to be looking for the drama. Well, I am an enthusiastic, expressive. It's hard for me to sit still and talk here like this. <laughs> but like, 
I get, and I do like if you saw me at home telling a story, I use all the space. <laughs> Fair enough. So I, maybe that looks what looks dramatic, like I'm on stage. I don't know. All right, his name is Jim Drama Owens. Yep. <laughs> He's got a new show coming up, October 21st here on LCC Connect. It's called Headroom. Thanks so much for coming in, talking with me here on Behind yep. the Connection. Thank you. Spontaneity is going to be gone now. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll do it again. It'll be fun. <coughs> Listen, I'm a studio musician. I know it's take two. Right, right. Take two. Yep. This is LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College is hosting College Night on Thursday, October 19th. Representatives from more than 50 colleges and universities will be at LCC's downtown campus to answer questions about college admissions, programs, scholarships, and more. This provides an opportunity for high school students exploring their options for the future, adults looking to pursue a new career, and current college students looking to transfer. College night is free and open to the public. Thursday, October 19th. Learn more and register to attend at lcc.edu slash college night. Adopt US Kids presents what to expect when you're expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit adoptuskids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Lisa Alexander, and I host a show called Who's That Star on LCC Connect. This show is all about an inside look at the LCC community where you get a chance to meet our faculty and staff, plus learn about their passion projects at work and at home. You can catch Who's That Star here on LCC Connect or listen anytime at lccconnect.org. Lansing Community College's Business and Community Institute provides businesses with customized synergistic trainings that realize logistical opportunity. Learn more about the future of business today at lcc.edu bci. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. And now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Baby, I'm 
Yes, yes, we are home. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm home for real. I'm actually recording from my home out here in Mason, Michigan. I always tell people, you never know where I'm going to be. Sometimes it's Big B, sometimes it's at a park. But today I'm actually recording from the uh, Casa de Irvin out here in, <laughs> in Mason, Michigan. You know, every blues society has its beginning. In the Capital Area Blues Society out of Lansing, Michigan is absolutely no exception. The process took a little bit of time to put together. And as Cabs prepares to celebrate 30 years in the blues business, we are pleased to welcome the first president of the Capital Area Blues Society, Bonnie, just call me Queen B. Stebbins. <laughs> and we are also excited to have one of Cabs' longstanding reviewers, former secretary and board, rever- uh, board member Ron Eggleston. Welcome to both of you. Glad to have you here at Time Signatures. Happy to Hi. be here. Me too. Absolutely. And and so excited to talk about the beginning because I've been a, a member of CABS now for going on three years. So I'm still a babe <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but um, it, it's so exciting to talk about how things started, um, especially because I wasn't involved in the blues and, and in CABS back in those early years, even though I was in the area. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm kicking myself because I've missed oh. so much of what you guys put together back in back in the day. Um, the Capital Area Blue Society was founded on the following principle. Dedicated to the preservation and enjoyment of, as well as the education about blues music. There's not much gray area there, is there? That's what I intended when I came up with that. Very cool. That, that, was, was, your, that, that was, was your deal? Yeah, that was our, the motto I thought of. Okay. And... It's because blues is everything to me, so. Okay, very good. And so we want to we go back because I know that it took some time to get things together yeah. and, and actually get the Capital Area Blues Society off the ground. So go ahead and talk about that a little bit, uh, your early meeting. And- okay, well, way back in the day, <laughs> 70s, 80s. I was a member of the Detroit Blue Society, sure. and they were doing a lot of things, and there was so much happening in Detroit. They had a ton of great blues clubs that we would drive down to, 70, 80 miles one way, never thought much about it, because that's where we could get our blues fix. Sure. So I, uh, of course, got to know people in the Detroit Blue Society, and at that time, George Seedorf was the president. Okay. And I talked to him because I, I, I really didn't want to go through all the machinations of trying to start a blue society. And I'd thrown the idea out to some people, um, Scotty Allman for one, you know, sure. why don't you do it? You know, but nobody wanted to take the bait. So, so I talked to George, why don't we have Lansing be like a branch of the Detroit one? And we kicked that around for a year or two of how would that work and what could we do? And, and where would that go? And, and what, is it really feasible even to do that? Sure. And, and it slowly became obvious that it was not. And so, again, I was hoping other people would pick up the ball and run because I had no clue what had, had to be done. And finally, it was obvious that nobody else was going to do that. So one night we were at a Josh, who was a guy from Detroit, Josh? Oh, Motor like, City Josh. Motor City Josh. Oh, yeah, Thank you. yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. We were at a concert at a club in Charlotte. Okay. I think John, the guy that used to do the bookings that lived in Charlotte. Anyway, so Motor City Josh was there. Okay. And I remember on using a cocktail napkin of coming up with the name. 
Capital Area Blues Society. I, I was thinking also maybe Capital City Blues Society, but Scotty Allman's radio show was Capital City Blues Cruise. Mm-hmm. So I had the backup name of Capital Area Blues Society. And, and so that was my start is get the name. And then once I retired from my state job, I actually had time to really pursue this. Sure. So on October 7th, 1994, okay. I went to the Ingham County Register, I think, or the clerk, I'm not sure who took the paperwork, to fill out the paperwork to register the name. Um, I guess it's called, it's a DBA, DBA doing business sure. as, yeah. which I didn't realize. I just thought I was registering the name so nobody else could use it. And then I started contacting, because I had all these blue CDs with all the label names and information, how to contact them. So I would contact the labels and and bands and booking agents and, and have them put us on their mailing list. I got business cards. I got printed news, uh, newsletter, not newsletter, um, letterhead, letterhead. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Um, A few months later, like about seven, eight months, in July of 95, Mm -hmm. there was going to be a blues festival in Lansing. And I think Scott Allman was part of the people that that organized it. I was wondering who got that um, underway. I know it was supposedly a fundraiser, I think, for... Uh, maybe St. Vincent's. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was the first time there was a, a, a bunch of national artists and regional, and then Root yeah. Doctor was part of it also. Yeah. And I believe it was Coco Taylor <laughs> yep. a part? Yeah. 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 She was the okay. she And was the Kinsey the Report with Big Daddy Kinsey, right. I believe. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so once I found out the festival was going to be in town, it was a one-day event. And so I wrote and then printed flyers to announce um, a meeting at the Green Door Lounge. Wow. And before I, of course, announced to announce the meeting on this paper, these flyers, I had contacted, I think it was Dave, but it might have been Al at the time that was the owner, uh, or maybe it was Al and Dave were both owners. (laughs) Um, But I contacted the Green Door to get permission to have our first meeting there. Mm -hmm. And he said that was fine. So I cleared everything with them. So again, put on the flyer where we would meet. And it was late July. And so I passed all these flyers. Three other four father friends helped me pass the flyers out to everybody at the fest. We handed them. We didn't just leave a stack somewhere. Sure, sure. And we passed them out and... A good friend of mine, Shar Whitaker, who was also a huge blues fan and had been my roomie for like 17, 18 years for the Chicago Blues Fest. <laughs> so um, so she was helping get all this passed out and everything. And we had the first meeting and probably 20 people showed up. And it was like, whoa, this could just work in Lansing. Yeah, and, yeah. And so from then on, and then people joined, so many people joined that. For, I think it was 16 people joined at that meeting. Six, 16 at the first. I think there's 27 people showed up. And wow. 16 okay, thank joined. you, because I'm going, I know not everybody joined. So that, yeah. Yeah, so that was a big hoot. And um, and then one of the amazing things to me is Cal Stone, Stone. Yeah. Um, who joined at that first meeting, was at the first, obviously, at the first meeting, and said, well, let's produce a newsletter. And we're all going, oh, my gosh, there's no way we can do a newsletter like, you know, he wanted to do it next month. And he said, no, I'm in the biz. I know how to do this. 
So let's get, you know, let's, let's jump on it and do it. And amazingly, we, we came out with a September issue. Now, I, I, I got to stop you here for just a minute because it's kind of cool that Kelstone, all these names, people that are, that are coming in and out of my life right now because I'm doing the podcast, um, you know, of course, uh, Cal is the one, uh, he and his wife put on the event in Brighton every year. Right, right. And um, so I'm actually looking, I actually got to meet him. Um, ah. We talked back and forth a couple times, and I'm going to actually be down there in Brighton for the blues and jazz event that he's putting on the first week of September. Great. Um, and then, of course, we've got Blues Fest here in Old Town the following weekend. But it's it's kind of cool to me. I mean, you know, Scotty Allman's been around forever. Yeah. Um, Cal Stone obviously has been around forever. Yeah. And it's such a neat thing to see the the longevity of what y'all started almost thirty years ago. Because before the Capital Area Blues Society, there wasn't anything really happening in the Lansing area, was no. there? Oh, there was. There were a lot of local bands. What, there blues were related in the eighties. Yes. Okay. There were, there were several. The um, the Blue Avenue Delegates started in nineteen eighty. They ran. Okay. They had uh, in the in the Green Door, and I don't know if they were organized before that. I uh, but um, yeah. <clears throat> Mike Daniels was one of the kingpins of that organization. Okay, and I want to be sitting down talking with him about some things because he really is uh, uh, one of the early guys. But um, a lot of people in the area, a lot of people got interested in the blues. You had elderly instruments or a lot of good Mm -hmm. uh, musicians there. And it's amazing how many of them are active still today in the blues scene in the Lansing area. Right. But I think it was, you know, during the 60s when a lot of the rock Groups like Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones and Fleetwood Mac, the original version of it, mm-hmm. were uh, playing covers of blues songs. And then they talked, they really were boosting the blues and a lot of uh, white musicians in Lansing said, well, this is pretty cool. We like this music. And they started creating bands. I mean, I, I can go through the list of the ones uh, yeah, that good. were Yeah, let's around. talk about a couple of them, yeah. sure. Uh, um, you know, um, I, I don't know exactly all the dates of, of these things, but we had, uh, as I say, the Blue Avenue Delegates. Uh, we have the Uptown Band. Uh, <laughs> and the Downtown Band, band uh, uh, the, who later became? Root Doctor. Yeah, right, right. there you go. And Scotty was in that. Scotty started his program, I think, in 87 on the radio. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. And the uh, Downtown Blues Band, of course, featured Freddie Cunningham sure. and his good friend, uh, uh, James Williams was a great bass player, mm-hmm. and uh, so then they they uh, evolved into another one, another band, the 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 Root Doctor band. These guys have got notes sitting here yeah. on the table. It's so cool. I yeah. know you can hear the papers rustling <laughs> in the background, but there's there's so much here to dive into, yeah. and I have a feeling we're going to end up doing a second episode here. <laughs> so let me let me stop you for a minute. Let's back up for just a minute. And Bonnie had, I'm sorry, Queen Bee <laughs> had the first few minutes to talk about right. the, the early beginning of Capillary Blues Society. I want to step back and ask each of you individually, how did you discover the blues? What was your first yeah. taste of the blues? And usually it's ladies first, but you already talked to, so I'm going to go ahead and go to Ron, <laughs> and then I'll come back to you. Okay, no problem. <laughs> well, I was uh, I was a rock and roll kid. I mean, I loved uh, rock and roll uh, 
all the black artists uh, were so much better than any of the whites. Of course, I liked Elvis. He he was wonderful too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I liked uh, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, and Fats Domino, and Jerry Lee. Yeah, Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> oh, I mean that the excitement of rock and roll was was something to me. Um, but somehow, even though the slogan was uh, the blues had a baby and they named it rock and roll, <laughs> I was not really into the blues. I didn't know that much about the blues. Um, even after going to college and I was in the folk scene in there, I, I, I liked folk music. Um, but uh, when I started working for the state, I had a good friend, uh, Steve Baclita, who was a member of the cabs for many years and okay. did reviews and whatever, sure. and is a musician as well. He and um, Bill Richards played together as a duo if, at times. And... Um, he started telling me, well, you should be listening to Muddy Waters and listen to a few of these blues guys. And, boy, once I started listening to them, I said, oh, this is great. Well, and in fact, um, there was a group at MSU uh, group called Mariah. They put on blues festivals or blues uh, events in the Kiva there, and Muddy Waters came there. I got to see him there. Wow. Well, Willie Dixon was there. There were some national people that did come to town, but it was not that common. Um, But I did get to see a few folks. Um, And so during the 80s, I did see some blues groups, and and, and I I blew Avenue Delegates to somebody I got into. I really liked listening to them. But I was not not greatly aware of the, the full spectrum of blues. Um, but when I saw that festival was going to happen in, uh, at the Riverfront um, Park, I went to that, and that's when I met Bonnie. She was passing out the flyers, and I enjoyed the, the bands that were playing, and I said, well, I, that's something I'd be interested in. So I was at the first meeting. I was a charter member, and uh, I had done quite a bit of... Um, uh, research into the blues, listening to, looking at old records and see the original people who were sure. writing the songs and playing the songs that a lot of people later on did. So I was developing a, an appreciation for that. And when I then got involved in, in the organization, um, it wasn't long before I started uh, volunteering to do write reviews. And uh, I wound up doing several hundred reviews. Yeah, over I, the years. I think Bonnie said somewhere around a thousand. I think I did around a thousand. I counted up one okay. time it was that over several years. So Bonnie, same question. How did okay. you discover the blues? What was that first taste like? Well, the first taste was instant. It instantly hooked me. I was probably, I'm thinking eight or nine. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Sleeping on the, the back porch um, because back in, in my days, the most houses were not air conditioned. My parents did have a single air conditioner in their bedroom, but they kept the door shut. So oh, it didn't man. get to the rest of the house or anything. And, and upstairs, um, I don't know, because I had a very nice bedroom, 20 by 20, over the garage. Okay. And I don't know if that made a difference, you know, because there was no insulation. The heat just kept rising oh. to my bedroom. So I slept on the um, three-season porch and I would have my little transistor radio. And as I scrolled through the dial, I came upon WLAC station out of Nashville, sure, Tennessee. I believe it was called a clear channel. They yep. had 50,000 watts that could just blast, I guess, wherever in the middle of the night. Yep. And 
once my the radio dial hit that WLAC channel, I was just instantly hooked. It was a feeling that I just totally connected with. And part of it, probably because I was, I grew up in a dysfunctional, abusive family. So okay. I really needed that connection. And shortly, well, a few years later, I, I met some guy, I don't remember his name, that was also totally into the blues. And I was probably 14 and he was 16 and we would go to all the clubs in Detroit. Okay. Loved going to all the clubs in Detroit. They didn't check ID. They didn't really care that much. <laughs> it was well, a different time, wasn't it? It was a totally different yeah. time. Um, and we were, we were going to the black clubs and, and the white ones. And, and this one that's still in existence is Baker's Keyboard Lounge which is really, I guess, more noted for its jazz. But back in the day, they were doing a lot of blues. And I swear I saw Odetta there. I saw Gene Krupa. Some, I was I was a percussionist at heart, so I really loved to see drummers sure. perform. And they had many people that we would go there. It's a very small, as they call, intimate club, a capacity of 99 people. It's still that same size, but it's legendary for being, I think, the oldest continuously open jazz club. Wow. Perhaps in the country, um, certainly in Michigan. And I, I, I'm dying to get back there uh, for a couple We're more. We're going to have to make a trip. Yes, let's no, do that. No, seriously, we yes. are. Um, it's, I, it's on Livernois. I, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to go. Cool. There's there's yeah. a few place I wanna, places I want to go. I'd like to go to Cadu Cafe. Okay. Um, I'd like to go to uh, to Baker's Keyboard Lounge. Yeah. Um, gosh, what's a place over in Westland? There's another big place over there that's really uh, Token Lounge. Oh, okay. In Westland. Yeah. Uh, another great place. They do they do a little bit of everything. A little classic rock, regular hard rock, blues, uh, you name it. As a matter of fact, Brother Earth uh, plays over there once in a while. And okay. that's a band that was formed by three people who toured extensively with Rare Earth. Oh, okay. <laughs> back in back in the 80s and 90s and 2000. Yeah, 80s and 90s, I think, primarily. Um, but anyway... So, Ron, we were talking a little bit ago. You had uh, done about a thousand or close to a thousand reviews. I mean, it, obviously, you know, it was something that you had a passion for because nobody's going to sit down and, and review a thousand CDs for nothing. <laughs> well, he did it. Tell for me, nothing. tell me how you got involved in that. Where'd you get the CDs from? And you must well, have one hell of a collection. <laughs> uh, I do have a pretty big one. Okay. <laughs> uh, th there was an incentive because for the way it was set up, the uh, blue society would, uh, like Bonnie said, she had contacted all the labels and some artists and they would send us uh, CDs promotional CDs to review and they also would provide some revenue through the newsletter you know from ads, when we post when ads, we sure. put an ad in for them so okay we said well we should show our appreciation by writing up something about them you know and start doing reviews of them and again since the idea was uh, one of the one of the ideas behind the blue society was to educate people absolutely uh, I felt well I can I can, uh, I'm an appreciation, I have an appreciation for the blues and I want to share that with people. Yeah, I'm not a musician, but I love the music. And I said, oh, I can write reviews as a person who loves the music and, and I know a lot about the different styles from what I've read and what I've listened to. And I, so I can say, well, if you like so-and-so, you'll love this. Or 
this is the kind of music this guy is putting down. And so I would go through and uh, write reviews, some more detailed than others. I mean, there was... There are some, not all of them are great, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, but I disagree. Were, they, all of yours were great. You, <laughs> no, you no, and no. Steve. I mean, not all the CDs were great. Oh, <laughs> well, I did want to interject that sooner or later, that Steve and Ron were amazing in their knowledge, <clears throat> not only of the music, of the musicians, but of the instrumentation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, I learned so much for, I... I had been writing reviews. I kind of just backed off, you know, because <laughs> well, they were so they were amazing yeah, writers. Yeah. About well, Steve these. was a musician too, and he he had a different angle, yeah, uh, to the way he wrote his than from what I did. But still, the idea was to uh, help people understand what these CDs, what type of music they were, sure. and, and uh, you know, if you haven't checked this out, you ought to do this. And, and, and as I say, I I hardly ever pulled any punches as far as, you know, if you get something that really stinks. You know? <laughs> I had a few that I that I roasted, but I and the, usually I said, you know, this is not my cup of tea. But I'll, you know, this is if you like this, I'll. You'll yeah. like it. If you well, like I, this kind of music, I do it. I was not a sure. real big fan of the more rock style blues people. You know, okay. I liked the old. So you're a traditional blues fan. I like traditional, but I like I the peak to me was Chicago blues style, you know, okay, Muddy sure. Waters, oh, yeah. Howlin' Wolf, that type of stuff. Yeah, and it yeah. also was not too polished. I don't mm-hmm. I don't like it when it's too smooth. Right, I like yeah. it I like it when it's a little rough on the edges. Okay. Because that shows the emotion behind yep. it, you know, that type yes. of thing. Um, but you know, I, I love the fabulous Thunderbirds. I mean, I think they're great. They're a little bit on the rock side, but they're, I just love, I love the, the, the T-Birds, but okay. I, I do like the, the more traditional, uh, styles, uh, Lightning Hopkins, uh, Junior Wells, Buddy Guy. Junior, yeah, Buddy Guy. <laughs> buddy Guy, not AC so much. Reed. Not, not so much Buddy Guy. No. I, I liked uh, it a little bit early, but to me. Okay. The early, yeah. Yeah, he d- just got a little too crazy for me. But, yeah. okay. you know, he's he's pushing the frontiers, and some people like that. I, I'm not so comfortable with that. But And he, yeah, and he just the, turned 87, so yeah, he's got yeah. the right to pretty much do whatever he, he wants. That's right. That's, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's certainly right. And B.B. King, of course. B.B. Oh, King man. is, uh, and I did have the chance to visit his his museum and his grave a few years ago wow. and i went to robert johnson's grave too so that's and, and part of the blues cruise down, I, down, the, down the blues trail in mississippi and i heard that indianola mississippi the the i guess the place where where bb started right. the bar that he started in is now reopened mm. it's mm. being being maintained by his foundation mm. So I want to go to Mississippi and check that yeah, out. But. Right. Yeah, well, the, little, one of his tour oh, buses is there at the museum too. Yeah. And the and the there's a cotton uh, gin building that's on this site of his of his museum too. That, Very cool. So. Hey, you're listening to Time Signatures. My name is Jim Irvin. I'm here with Queen Bee, Bonnie Stebbins, and also Ron Eggleston. And you know what? We're going to have to have a second, second helping here because we are almost out of time already, if you can believe this. No, but I, I But I have time for one more, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce one more question to you. Bonnie, this okay. one's for you. Okay. But I, I know that you talked about a lot of people uh, stepping up early on, uh, including Ron, including Blade, who worked on the newsletter. 
Right, but right. I want to talk about the initial logo for Capital Area Blues Society. Oh. Tell, tell that story real quick. <laughs> well, um, my son was an artist, and I asked him if he would be willing to, to take a shot at drawing a, our first logo. And he said, sure. And he, um, I think he was doing his apprentice, not his, um, his internship he, at J&J in New Jersey. And I know that because when I went through the binders, um, it, it, his original sketch is in there. Oh, man. Yeah. The um, one, one of them that you gave Ron? Right, right. Yeah. Oh, that I don't know if you... Yeah, I we, didn't look. Yeah, you, you'll have to look at those. I don't know if... Well, anyway. For the um, listeners, there's a backstory here. I was actually allowed to scan the old newsletters that uh, Queen Bee had in her binders. And I didn't dig into the binders because I didn't want to disturb what was in there. Oh, gosh. Oh, and were, yeah. I, I'm wishing I would have just dug in oh, and scanned a whole bunch of stuff. There's <laughs> yes, all the meeting <laughs> minutes of the board as well as the meeting, regular meeting. And Shar was a great secretary. Oh, she, she kept was great. She, records. Yeah, she, Shar, our first secretary, again, my friend, Shar uh, Whitaker, did an amazing job with this, these first three binders. I think that carried us for through our first two and a half, three years, something like that. But no, they are full of memorabilia, flyers, like Ron was saying, minutes and of meetings, of yeah. minutes of the board meeting, because we had a separate meeting, and then we had the membership meeting. So the board was every two weeks, basically, you know, going to meetings and planning, you know, and getting things organized and done. And, and then you'd have the editor's meeting or the newsletter meeting, and all these things were going on. Um, so there, there was an amazing treasure of early cabs, memorabilia in those binders so when you get a chance be sure to go through them oh yeah absolutely and we're going to talk more about the binders coming up in the next episode uh, we want to thank everybody once again my guest today Rhonda Eggleston and Queen Bee Bonnie Stebbins stick around we will be back with another episode with these guys and it's bound to be a good time this has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Now I'm blind, blind, baby, Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive. Sharing the voices of Lansing Community College. Visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Every year, the Dental Hygiene Clinic at Lansing Community College provides essential services to people in the mid-Michigan community. Open to the public, the clinic is led by a licensed dental faculty and provides a platform for LCC dental students with the opportunity to hone their dental hygiene skills. Associated fees apply to the clinic services. To find more information, visit lcc.edu slash dental clinic. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. 
she could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Lansing Community College is hosting College Night on Thursday, October 19th. Representatives from more than 50 colleges and universities will be at LCC's downtown campus to answer questions about college admissions, programs, scholarships, and more. This provides an opportunity for high school students exploring their options for the future, adults looking to pursue a new career, and current college students looking to transfer. College night is free and open to the public. Thursday, October 19th. Learn more and register to attend at lcc.edu slash college night. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to Community Convos, a podcast and radio program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in Lansing and around mid-Michigan. Hey, it's Dedalian back on the combo once again. And in the studio with me today are the proprietors of a place known as Breakout Escape Room. It is Dan and Tyler Schutz. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Thanks Thanks for for having having us. I was so excited when I saw this. Uh, It is the Breakout's Halloween adventure. And the reason I am excited about that is because Halloween is one of my all-time favorite times of the year. Now, we will get to that in just a little bit. But first, before we get started... I actually was not familiar with your establishment, and you guys say you've been here for like about eight years, but it wasn't until I went to the People's Kitchen, I saw you guys at the Hive, and I was like, wow, got to try that sometime. Tell me about it. Uh, the Breakout Escape Room, what is it? So Breakout Escape Rooms started almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only a handful of escape rooms across the country at that time, and I, my business partner and I were in another field, and it was very dry and mm-hmm. we thought let's do something super fun and weird and let's try to open one of these so we came up with our own format for how it was going to work and decided to just do it so we spent two or three weeks building what we thought an escape room was i had never even played one and uh we got a space that was tiny you know about three or four hundred square feet and said here's our game environment and after two or three weeks, we had a, a local uh, news station come and play. The day after they spread it across the internet, we were booked out for months. Awesome. That is great. Especially these days, it's great to just have a business that is thriving. Uh, you mentioned it, that you'd never done it before actually owning this. I have never done one. So tell me, what is it like? What do you do? What happens? So you go in there and it's a big um, themed adventure, a whole room themed as if you're you're cast away on an island or you're in some different time or space. And so there's all sorts of different kind of adventures you can choose. Sure. Okay. Yep. Yep. And they're um, for different sized groups, people who've played before, people who haven't played before, different 
ages can all play together. So it's a really great thing to do with your your friends and family, anybody, if you're looking to go out and do something besides sit at home and twiddle your thumbs. Very cool. Yeah. And are, are these typically kid-friendly? So, yeah, every game that we have is built and it, we take into consideration that we could have a group that's got five-year-old kids in it or 90-year-old grandparents in it. Um, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so yes, every everyone is a little bit of a different skill level. And if a person calls in and says, hey, we've got this type of group dynamic, we say, then this is the game you should come and play. And it sounds like a group is going to be what you're going to want to do. Now, that was the thing is I was sitting there looking at it. I'm going, well, what's the ideal group size? What do you guys think? So we during COVID decided we definitely needed some small games. Mm-hmm. Our original games were huge. We'd have groups of, of 10 and 18 people come and play together. And I don't even have 10 to 18 friends anymore. You know, <laughs> I'm too old you, I can believe that. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's fair to say too. Thank you. Uh, so during, uh, during COVID, people didn't want to cohabitate with strangers at all. So we changed our format from having an open group where people could just join a time and show up and play with whoever happened to be there. Right. It was interesting to see how people would think and work together when they didn't know each other. But now we made some small games that two or three people can play so you could just come and and do a little solo game. All of our games currently are private, so you would just play with whoever you have. And if you only have one friend, then that's who you play with. So you could even do it on a date night kind of a thing, though, right? Correct. Yep. Date night's awesome. And we've got some entry-level games, our Coconut Crew, and our, we have a couple of challenges that are, are great for that. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So what's the best way to approach it if you wanted to get, uh, you know, to be here? Uh, do you book in advance? Do you just show up? What do you do? You definitely want to book in advance. You can walk in and there's a chance, you know, that there'll be a spot open for you. But uh, you could call and uh, talk to our, our great people on the phone. And that's actually kind of the best way to do it because you can tell them about your group or what you're looking to expect. And they'll put you right in the perfect room for you. Or you can book online, of course, we're at roombreakout.com. And Dan, how long does it usually take to get through one of these little adventures? Uh, typically, it's 90 minutes from the time you show up. So, you, uh, yeah, you come in and we give you a little bit of background to escape rooms. And then the story commences before you walk into the room. Um, we have a very photo and video friendly environment. And mm-hmm. uh, we actually try to get people to take lots of pictures and videos so that they can remember what they did. I love it. Uh, okay, so the other thing is, is here on the Community Convo, I talk to a lot of nonprofits that come through this store to tell me all about what they've got going on. But I noticed on your website, you guys actually do fundraisers of some sort. We do a ton tell, of it. Tell me how that works. What, what would happen? So we love giving back to the community. Um, we personally volunteer every chance we get. We're circus performers, so we do all kinds of crazy stuff if people are looking for that. And then on the business side, we uh, we open our doors up and let charities come in and run events and, and fundraise. And typically, they get about 25% of the ticket sales. And uh, we will be super creative with what they want to do. They can book the whole building. They could book it by just selling the tickets on their their you know charity pages or whatever. Yeah, we can give them like a discount code even if they don't want to hold an event at mm-hmm. the building. They can for a period of time have a discount code and anybody who purchases a ticket with that discount code, um, 20% will go directly to them. Awesome. I love this. 
I wish this was one of our vodcasts because these two, I, I, I would have to describe it. We've got crushed velvet on my right. Is is that what we're doing? <laughs> is is that it's it's just the daily wear, <laughs> and, and we've got the zebra power over on my left. Uh, but no, they're looking really good. You guys look like you're kind of almost like costume, but. They claim it's everyday attire, and that's perfectly <laughs> fine with me, too. I love it. You guys look great. Now, let's uh, get to the point of why I actually brought you guys in here, because I love Halloween. I want to know about this. What is the Breakouts Halloween Adventure? It's our exciting new project this year. We're just opening. So never done this before. Never done this before. Okay. And um, we decided to start it here in Lansing because the building's set up great for a Halloween adventure. You can come in one door and you wind your way throughout our building. How big is the building? It's very big. It's very big. Yeah, over 6,000 square feet. So we're talking, yeah. and we're talking about the hive is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we we're in the whole basement of mm -hmm. the hive. So you start in one door. You come down and we've planned different um, little adventures along the way. You'll visit this area and that area. The whole goal is to find your way to Halloween Village at the end. And you get to help the mayor find some of uh, the the lost creatures and also get some little sweet treats from all the, the locals down there. And yeah, it's filled with some fun games and challenges. And there's also live actors in each section as you make your way through the building. Yeah, so the goal was to create something that's a little different. It's a combination of a little bit of escape game, a little bit of trunk or treat, and a little bit of haunted house. And uh, we wanted to make it so that it was, it was very optional to choose what you want to do. We've got some kind of fun, creepy, scare areas, but you have to enter those areas if you want to see that. Mm. So there's three of those. And then there's also the challenges on the escape side that are they're relatively simple. They're kid friendly. And then we added the trick or treating portion. So I love that you kind of broke it up so that uh, because I would be one of those ones that would want to go into these scary areas because that's part of my part of my gig. That's what I love doing. I love getting a little bit scared. OK, so when exactly is this going to happen? So we have scheduled dates on October 27th, 28th, and 29th. We may be doing it on the weekend of the 20th. It's to be announced, so hold tight for that one and watch our social media and see if we'll be opening up the extra weekend. All right, very cool. And as we mentioned before, this is at the Hive. For those that don't know where the Hive is, it is at 2722 East Michigan Avenue. We'll, of course, have the uh, details in the uh, podcast notes for you on that. Uh, the website address, where is that? Roombreakout.com. And you'll have to select a, a location, Lansing. This event's only being held in Lansing. So, But our Facebook event is right now where all the best information is for this Halloween adventure. So hop on Facebook, search Breakout's Halloween Adventure. Excellent, excellent. Appreciate you guys coming in. Before I do let you go, I am going to give you an opportunity to tell me what I should try. Beyond the Halloween stuff, what would you recommend for a guy like me who's not wearing the crushed velvet, who's not wearing the zebra skin, <laughs> just chilled out, dude? What do you recommend that I try there? So... I know you said you don't have a lot of friends, but <laughs> there, there has to be some people that you could bribe. Our, our Bri bribing is probably what it would yes, take. Our, our zombie roadhouse is is creepy, Ooh. and since you're into you're into the Halloween season, I mean that's a that's a good one. Every one of our games is fun, and it really comes down to how many people you have. 
Excellent. So you could get your coworkers here and make it a team building event, right. you know, and do that. And show them how smart you are. Yeah. Yeah. They might not believe that. It, uh, it's it's going to take some work. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> we'll help you. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, Dan, uh, Tyler, thanks so much for coming in and talking with me about uh, Breakout's Halloween Adventure. Again, uh, you can stop by their website, get the more details on that, and appreciate you guys coming by and having a chat. Yeah, appreciate what you Thank do. you so much for having us. You've been listening to Community Combos, a program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in our community. To listen to this episode on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org or find us on your favorite podcast platform. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Community Combos, email us lcc-connect at lcc.edu. And thanks for joining the combo. This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.